The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Hi, my name is Carly. I'm going to um, read scripture for us today, and I believe it'll be up on the screen or you can follow along in your Bibles. Um, we're reading Psalm 126, 1 through 6. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we are like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. I pray that you give me the grace this morning to be able to share um, your heart from this text, God, and that it moves us more and more towards, uh, towards prayer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you've got your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Psalm. Uh, we're going to be in 126 today. And uh, we're in this series right now on prayer. And we've been going through uh, the past few weeks talking about prayer through the Psalms. And so last week we talked about uh, our fears and anxieties. Uh, The week before that, uh, we talked about our doubts and praying our doubts. And you can find those all online at gracecitysd.com. But this week we are talking about specifically praying our tears and disappointments. And uh, for those of us right now who are, are in city groups, um, one of the things that we've been encouraging is, hey, we, we want to start out with prayer. We want to start there and just say, okay, this is, this is where we need to be, is sitting down, praying um, together. And, and I just want to acknowledge that that is, that's difficult. That's hard, right? It's a little bit awkward. And I found this quote I, I wanted to share this morning uh, from Eugene Peterson. Um, and it's not that one yet. Wait one second, but this is another one. Um, But this one says, we're naturally not good at this. Talking about prayer, we need practice. Especially in the initial stages, we feel uneasy, awkward, and bored. But the Psalms train us to pray with others who have prayed and are praying, put our knees on level ground and other bent knees, uh, lift our hands in concert with others, other lifted hands, join the voices in lament and praise. And here's what he says at the end. The primary use of prayer is not for expressing ourselves, but in becoming ourselves. We cannot do that alone. So the reason why we're coming together in prayer as we move forward as city groups is you and I can't do it alone. It's a tough journey, and, and it's a little awkward at first. And, and you're like, well, what do I pray about? But we come together, and we go through this journey together. And so when we're talking about um, praying our tears and disappointments, what is it that separates you and me from the rest of all creation? That we get disappointed. I mean, I mean, think about it for a minute. When we're talking about creation, right, from God from the very beginning, there's this great insight that my wife brought to my attention this past week. The way that God created the world, he spoke everything into creation, right? But what did he do with us? He went to the dirt. He picked it up, and he breathed life into it. 
You see, there is something different, there's something unique about you and me from all of, the, uh, all of creation. We have tears, but not just tears that are reflexive, not just tears that are continuous, but emotional tears. We all have them. And we have moments where we truly emotionally feel the, the disappointment of life. You think about the rest of the creatures in creation. I don't think they're moping around about how disappointed they are about their life, right? Or how things are going for them. But there's a separation. God, God has created you and me differently than all the rest of creation. He says we are his highest creation. And so we have these moments of fears and we have these moments of doubts, and we have these moments of disappointment. Uh, in the Huffington Post, uh, there was an article written that said, uh, five reasons crying is actually good for you. And the question she asked is, she says, do you know that humans are the only animals, she said animals, who can do the third one, when she's talking about emotional crying, responsive crying. Um, she says, this fact has led many sci scientists to ask why. Right? This tells us why. Again, you were created and made differently than the rest of creation. And so how do you deal with the emotions that you face on a daily basis? How do you deal with your emotions of doubt, of fear, and anxieties? How do you deal with your emotions of tears and disappointment? As we've been talking about it these past few weeks, we said there's three ways you can really deal with it. The first one is to stuff them. And so many of us, and this is me included, like I am more of an internalizer, right? Like things are happening, things are coming at me, and I'm internalizing everything. It's kind of going through my mind, and I'm just kind of chewing on it for a little while, and I'm internalizing it inside of, of myself. And so what happens is a lot of the times is when things are coming like that, we'll start to stuff our emotions. We'll start to suppress them. For others of us, we're more external processors, and so uh, we spread them, right? So we're feeling something, we just get it out there. And like we talked about with the age of social media and all that right now, it's, it's very easy to process things in a way where everybody can hear it. Everybody can see it. Everybody saw that last post or that last tweet. And so it starts to spread, and there's some collateral damage that can start to happen when we get it out there. And so what does the Bible tell us to do with the emotions and the feelings that we have in our lives? Well, it says to pray them, that you can come before God in a very safe place and you can process the emotions that you're having. You can process the disappointments that you have before Him. Safe place. And so how do we do that? How do we pour out and process, process our emotions before God? Um, Talking specifically about prayer and the Psalms in his book, uh, Answering God, Eugene Peterson, which I got that last quote from, uh, says this, and so we'll put this up there. We will not be looking here primarily for ideas about God in the book of Psalms or for direction and moral conduct. We will expect rather to find the experience of human, or of human before God exposed and sharpened. Prayer is language used in personal relation to God. So we're talking about prayer. It's not this very abstract, lofty type of language, but it is a 
us coming before God, speaking to him honestly, just like you would speak to a friend, in relationship. Uh, just a quick note about the Psalms. There are 150 Psalms, right? And there are different types of Psalms all through. And the, the most prominent of all of the different types of Psalms are what is called lamentations. Uh, these are Psalms that are, are about tears and weeping more than any other kind. It's about lamentations. And there's this myth, and I want to address this out there as we're talking about tears and uh, disappointments, is that some of the guys are checking out right now, right? Like, oh, you're talking about tears, and dis- that's not me. But I just want you to hear me on this. There's a myth that says men don't cry, and it's not true. You know why I know that? Because from personal experience, but also the Psalms were written by men. Okay, and the, these are, in, and we're talking about 150, out of 150 Psalms, more lamentations, weeping, and tears than any other kind. Uh, Dr. Orloff, a clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA, says this. She says, try to let go of outmoded, untrue conceptions about crying. It is good to cry. It is healthy to cry. And that's true for all sexes. Okay, so I just want to put that out there. Now, if you grew up in an environment or a home where, where it's like, well, men don't cry. I told you, that, that's not what we see in Scripture. Because again, like we've talked about before, Jesus wept. And as I've grown more in my faith, I cried a lot more now than I used to. Like, is it just because I have kids? Like, is it just because I've been married for a long time? Like, what, what is it? You know, like, am I just getting more emotional? There was one time, I didn't realize this, but my wife started getting this certain type of milk. What, what was it? It was soy milk. We went to GNC one day, and the guy's like, hold on, your husband shouldn't be drinking that. That's got like high levels of estrogen in it. And so I was like, I wonder I'm crying so much. No, but, <laughs> but as I've grown more in my faith, I realize I cry a lot more. Why? Be- because becoming a person of faith God changes your heart. Ezekiel 36, verse 26, here's what it says. It says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. When God changes you, you become more like Jesus. And I want to tell you what it says about Jesus. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, it says that he was a man of sorrows. Just sit on that for a second. Jesus, a man of sorrows, even as we looked at the picture of Jesus as he entered into the city before he was crucified, a Jesus that is weeping as he's going into the city to be crucified. See, what happens is when God gets a hold of your heart, he makes your heart more of a heart. It becomes more sensitive. It becomes more touchable. See, that's what God does in our lives. Examples of this in Scripture are, are David. I mean, think of Acts 13, uh, 22. It says, 
uh, about David. He says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do my will. I recently finished a book called A Tale of Three Kings, uh, just really giving us a great picture of, of who David was. And it was written by a man named Gene Edwards. I want to encourage you, if you're a leader of anything or, or influencer of anyone, like you should read this book. It just talks about the hurts and pains of life. But in the book, uh, one of David's mighty men was uh, hypothetically asked, like, what was David like? What was he like as a leader? And this mighty man turns and says, we were 600 no-goods with a leader who cried a lot. That's what it looked like. Because as we look through the Psalms, as we look through the scriptures, I mean, that's what you're going to find. A David whose heart was very often broken, disappointed, working through the struggle of life. It's honest. And so our text today is Psalm 126. And what's happening here in this text? Well, we don't know the exact historical circumstances of what, what's happening here or even who exactly wrote this particular psalm. But here's what we do know. The person who wrote this is someone who is coming to God, praying their disappointment with life. They're saying, God, this is, this is where I'm at. And in this text, we learn to pray our tears and disappointments. And so today, there are three uh, truths that we must embrace when we pray our tears. Three truths we must embrace when we pray our tears, okay? And so this is very important, and so I want to give you all three up front. And the first one is this. Number one is tears will come. Number two is tears have purpose. And number three is tears produce joy. Tears will come. Tears have purpose. Tears produce joy. Uh, so let's start out in verse one and uh, in this first point, it's tears will come. So here's what it says in verse one. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths was, mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. He's thinking on this. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. What we find in the first three verses is that this is someone who is re reminiscing about the glory days. There is a season in the writer's life that's come to an end. It's over. The, the dream that they were experiencing at this moment has died at this point. And in verse 4, as he's transitioning into verse 4, he is expressing how deeply disappointed he is in that. See, many of us have felt this before. If not, just wait. It's going to happen. Some of us, we've moved from a place we loved, right? And so we're very far from there. And we think about the way it used to be. For some of us, it's friends leave. I remember um, 
where we, we used to live in Savannah, Georgia, and I remember the first four or five years, we built some really great friendships, and then I remember looking at my wife one day and saying, where did all our friends go? They all moved away. They were all younger and being promoted and things were happening in their life and moving on. We looked around and we were like, where did all our friends go? You remember those days? Remember when, when we used to hang out? Remember when that was so great? Maybe for some of us, it's financial troubles come in our life and we say, well, it was a lot better in before 2008. For some of us, it's relationships fall apart, kids start to grow up. Um, I, think, I think one of the, the, the songs that really captures it for me is uh, the song uh, Cats in the Cradle. You know, Cat Stevens. I remember I was um, driving home one day and I don't my my car, the CD player doesn't work and you know, I don't have an aux cord. I'm not like high tech or anything like that. And so I got to listen, you know, to uh, the radio. And so I'm listening to Easy Listening. It's the one I get the most clear at that point, right? So I'm listening to Easy Listening. And then Cat Stevens comes on with the Cats in the Cradle song. And so if you don't know this song, it's, it's basically a guy lamenting. He's lamenting about his life. He's talking about when his son used to come up to him and and say, Dad, let's go play ball. Let's go hang out. Let's go do some things together. And he says, I'm just too busy. I, I, I've got, I don't have time right now. That's great, son. But, and then the son's saying, I want to be like my dad someday. And then by the end of the song, the dad calling the son, and the son doesn't have time for him. And so I'm, I'm driving, not by myself, with my son. He's hanging out in the back. And I'm thinking about him, life with him. And as I'm driving, I'm starting to tear up. Right, so this is somebody who isn't in the moment. They're past it. They're past it. They're struggling. And he thought, like, this is the way things used to be. This was really great. It's not so great anymore. And from this comes verse four. And so verse four, here's what he says. He says, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Now here's, there, there's some different things that are happening here, but this, this is a prayer for God's help. Okay, God, you remember how things used to be? Remember when people were like, hey, this is so great for them. God's with them. But now we're getting to this place where it feels like God's really not with me anymore. God, I want that old life back. Here's what the Negev is. The, the, the Negev is, it's a, it's a desert. It's a desert land. And so in this desert land, he feels like, that's my life right now. God, you've placed me in the middle of this desert. Can you get some streams of water flowing through this desert because I'm really struggling right now? Spiritually, dry he's able to to articulate this to god and just say hey god this is where i'm at i'm going through a major dry season spiritually right now and i'm stuck i'm stuck i don't want it to be like this and so god i need you to come in but this is where i'm at right now see verses one through three 
don't know if you noticed this, but verses one through three were in the present tense. And then we get to verses four through six and they're in the present tense. Well, which one is it? Verses one through three are in the present tense because this person writing could feel the emotion, could see vividly the way it used to be so much that they could touch it. They could feel it. I remember being there. I remember what it was like. God, why can't it be like that anymore? God, can you restore that? See, and here's what happens. When, when things aren't going well, when we feel like we're in this dry season, here's what we do. We usually say, God, what, what, what have I done to deserve this? What have I done to deserve this? But what you'll see in this text is very interesting is that you're not gonna see any confession of this deep, dark sin. He's not like repenting or saying, man, God, I, I really messed this one up this time and so things are really bad. But he's just saying, okay, this is how it is. And you know what? It wasn't because of any result of big sin in his life. It was just a different season. See, there's this other myth that we believe. It's, it's karma. Basically, we make it this Christian karma. You know what karma is, right? It's like you get what you deserve, right? Like, well, I earned it, and so it's brought on me. I've been smited by God. The gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus is not karma. It's we get what we don't deserve. God gives us life even through the moments where we feel like we're in the desert. We're not gonna be able to understand everything in life. We're not gonna be able to process it. But I, I just want you to know that th there, there is a gospel and there's a God of grace that's saying this life is just tough. And there will be streams that are gonna come. And it's okay to be grieved. See, it's okay to be grieved by the changes in life. It's okay to be grieved in moments where you feel like you're dry. It's okay to come to God in prayer and say, God, I'm just not feeling it right now. Isn't that amazing? It's right here in the text that, that we can come to God like that. We can come to him like that in prayer but I just want you to know that there will be tears that will come. They will come in life, and it will be hard. But I love this, this is uh, Herman Gunkel. He's the, I mean really, the definitive scholar on Psalms. And here's what he says, the prayer of complaint is the backbone of the Psalter. Do you know what that means? <laughs> He's saying that most of these psalms are all complaints before God. <laughs> God, why is my life like this? Why aren't you coming through? That is the backbone of the psalms. And so what it's saying is that God is big enough to handle our complaints, our disappointments are coming to him in tears and saying, okay, God, I just don't get it. 
See, when that happens, you know that the tears are going to come, and it's okay. But what do you do when they come? The second point, tears have purpose. Tears have purpose. And so look at verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Those who sow in tears. The purpose of tears is to sow them. Sow them. No, so what, what's the analogy that's given here? It's a farmer who's going out with seeds. What are the seeds? The disappointments of life. So it's going, it's going out and it's planting these disappointments all over the place, saying, okay, this is my disappointment, and so I'm going to plant it here. Where's the best place to plant it? Only God knows. See, that's why we come to God as we start to plant and sow our tears. God I mean, like we've talked about, you can, you can go to a lot of different places. You can say, well, I'm going to share it with this person or that person. But are they going to know the best place to put the tears that you have in your life? No. Are they going to know the best place to put your disappointments and saying, okay, this is what you do with it because here's the solution? No. Who's above all things? Who's wiser than any person that we ever meet in our lives God God is and so we can take those disappointments out into the field and we can plant it before God and say God where do you want me to put this because I don't know where it's going to grow best but you do and so God I'm going to take this disappointment and put it in your hands I'm going to put it in your hands God because it has a purpose See, you can sow your tears and you can sow your disappointments or you can waste them. Many a times what we do is we waste them. We don't learn from them. We don't grow from them. And we get back in the same situation again. And God's saying, put them in my hand. Put them in my hand. I'll take care of it. I'll place it where it needs to be placed and I'll plant it in the ground. You ever been around the people and this might, we just cry to cry, right? It's like, why are you crying? I don't know why I'm crying. I'm just crying. We have those moments. (laughs) And maybe you've grown up your whole life and, and people saying, well, you just cry all the time. You need to stop that. And so, you, you feel like I gotta be stronger than that. I gotta guard myself. I can't be like that. And God's saying, come to me with him. Because what happens is, when you place the disappointments in God's hands, when he plants them for you, it's really through your tears that water those disappointments 
so that they grow. Because here's the next point. Tears produce joy. Tears produce joy. It's not just like, if you got tears, then you're going to have joy. But it's the tears that produce joy in our lives. Because, let's run through this here, verse 6. It says, he who goes out weeping. He who goes out weeping. Okay, so there will be tears in your life. There will be moments where you're like, okay, does this have a purpose? And you place them in God's hands, but you got to get up the next morning. Life continues. Doesn't just stop because you have tears, right? You got to wake up the next morning and get out there. And so he says, he who goes out weeping. I love this quote from John Piper. Here's what he says. He says, occasionally weep deeply over the life over the life you hoped would be, grieve the losses, then wash your face, trust God, and embrace the life you have. Right? The life we have is not outside of God's perfect plan. Okay, there are difficulties along the way, and God does not cause sin but there will be hurts and pains and bruises that you face along the way in this life that aren't going to be your fault and it's embracing the fact and knowing that God has filtered everything that comes into your life through his loving hands and knowing that He cares deeply for you and you can trust him and embrace the life you have right now. And so he says, we go out weeping, right? Bearing the seeds for sowing. So we're ready with the seeds. Okay, God, where do you want these seeds to go? I got my disappointments. I'm, I'm ready. Where do you want me to plant these? But then there's the hope. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Shall come home with shouts of joy. Uh, now, the kind of joy, the kind of joy that you need in your life will only be produced through tears. The kind of joy that you need in your life will only be produced through tears. Now, what does that mean? Here's the difference. Happiness is circumstantial. If life's going really good, I'm happy. If life's not going good, I'm not happy. But joy, that's something completely different. Joy is no matter the circumstances, I'm solid. No matter the circumstances and how life's going, I have joy. I, I can, I'm gonna make it through. There are gonna be times and seasons where it's gonna be hard, but Nothing can steal my joy because the word says our joy is the Lord. Nothing can take him from you and nothing can take you from him. So you are rock solid in his hands. 
And so the kind of joy that you need and I need is only produced through these tears, through these difficulties. Why? Bearing the seed for sowing, bringing his sheaves with him. It says in the next verse, bringing his sheaves with him. There will be growth in your life because of your tears. There will be growth in your life because of the difficulties that you face. Um, just to illustrate, I mean, have you ever met someone who's never been through any hard times, any pains? If you've met someone, or maybe you're in that stage right now, it's, it's hard to relate to people who are going through some really difficult stuff. But as you grow in your faith, as you go th- through pains in life, as you plant the disappointments that you have in life before God and saying, God, please help me, and, and you're going to weep over these. God's going to bring a type of growth in your life that you could not have gone and gotten somewhere else. It only happens when you go through difficulty in life. And so I'm going to give us uh, just five takeaways really quickly um, from this uh, text that I think can really help us. And so the first one is this. As you pray your, your tears and disappointments, the first one is, see that it's safe. See that it's safe. I think one of the things that I, I'm learning more and more um, as I read through the Psalms and study these passages is that there are some things that it makes me, in my mind, think, can you say that to God? I mean, how, how could they just say that? And I think in any of us, too, we'll, we'll be like, it, sounds like it, f- it seems like they went a little too far in that one. And there, there's even some scriptures where it feels like it's unfinished, right? Like, shouldn't there be like a resolution to this? And there's not. It's just kind of left there. I think that's helpful for us to understand because God is a safe place, so much so that there are going to be things that you say incorrectly and I say incorrectly before him, and he knows how to process it. He knows how to filter it. There are going to be theological things that we say <laughs> that are completely off and in. God's like, I know how to filter that. Remember some, someone saying it's, it's the difference between um, when Jesus was walking with, uh, along the, the, the shore and saw Peter and he called Peter to follow him and then Peter says, depart from me. And Jesus actually leaned in closer and said, come on. And the difference between the crowd that was ready to crucify him and basically say, depart from me. You see, God God knows like how we speak. He knows when we're desperate and he knows how to filter it. He knows us. And so see that it's a safe place to come to him because ultimately our emotions and tears can be brought into his presence and he can filter them and he's not gonna judge us for it and say, I can't believe you just said that. Can't believe you just did that. He's not gonna shame us 
You didn't get that really theologically correct. I'm sorry. I didn't hear that prayer. He doesn't do that to us. And so if you're new to faith or if you've been in the faith for a long time, you can bring it all to God. It's that open invitation because he's a God of grace. The second thing we can take away from this is see Jesus weeping. See Jesus weeping. Ultimately, Jesus' tears produced our joy, right? His tears produced our joy. And, and he faced the ultimate pain. See, Jesus got the ab- abandonment we deserve. When he was on the cross, he was, he was the, the, the true one who was abandoned by the Father. Right, so when you're praying before God and you're saying, God, do you even hear me? Can you even hear my prayers right now? Can you even see my weeping right now? Just know that, yes, he can, and yes, he will answer it because Jesus was rejected. And when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was, it was blocked off to him. The Father said, no. And so because Jesus was blocked off from his relationship with the Father on our behalf, we know that when we come in prayer, it'll be wide open. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, because Jesus has paid the ultimate price. And so see Jesus weeping for you. See him praying for you. The third is see that you're not a victim. See that you're not a victim. We are more loved and protected than we will ever know. We are. And there are things in life that we we look out at life and we say, man, I wish my life was like this. I thought I was going to be at this place in my career at this point. I thought I was going to be married at this point. I thought I was going to have kids at this point. I thought, I thought, I thought. Like there, there are things that we come to God and say, this is... This is where I thought I would be. But God is more for our good than we are. And we don't understand everything. And I I just want you to know, like, I, I, it was probably around December where I just had these moments of self-pity. Just bouts of self-pity. And the Lord brought it to my attention that I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim in life. You see, because self-pity starts to wash away as we pray before the cross. As we see the one who took the punishment on our behalf. And ultimately, none of us are a victim because he was the ultimate victim. He was the one that was wrongly tried on the cross on our behalf. He was the one that was put on the cross for us. And so it is like purely by grace that we're here. I realize just how short this life is and how how God sees it all. How God sees it all. The fourth is, see that joy is coming. See that joy is coming. Um, One commentator on the psalm says, The end of prayer is praise. 
The Psalms show praise as the end of prayer, the goal at which all the Psalm prayers arrive after their long travels through the unmapped back countries of pain, doubt, and trouble with only occasional vistas of the sunlight lands along the way. Doesn't it feel like that? Doesn't it feel like you have an occasional moment sometimes where you're, you're just like going on this unmapped journey like, okay, God, where's this going? There's those occasional moments of, of light. Our prayers will end in praise. Think about this. At the end of the Psalms, right, it starts out uh, chapter one, I mean, chapter one and chapter two aren't even prayers. So those are really preparation for our heart before we get into prayer. So, like this is how unprepared we are, like in our natural world, busyness of life, everything is crazy. He's like, you need to, you need to sit for a minute. And so then we get into the next 148 Psalms. The last four are all praise all praise right like th- that that is our life right here in the book of psalms you think about it we're not even prepared life is crazy then we get into it and we start this journey of prayer by the end of it by the end of your life it will be joy it's coming see there is a fear sometimes that we might never stop crying if we start crying you start crying it's just like is it ever going to stop but as you pray those it will end in praise the last point takeaway is this see that it's not in vain see that it's not in vain whatever disappointments you're going through whatever feelings that you're having whatever tears that are coming Know that it's not in vain because there is nothing wasted with God. Nothing. Your tears and disappointments could be the very thing that God uses to help change other people's life. Your tears and disappointments could be the very thing that God uses to help change somebody else's life. You ever heard the old hymn, It Is Well? I'm not gonna sing it. He says, it is well with my soul. It was written by a man named Horatio Spafford. And I want to tell you what happened in his life. Okay? I'm gonna, this, is, this is somebody who's on this journey, who's been on this journey. That, song, or that, that hymn was uh, written after some tragic events in his life. The first was the death of his son at the age of two. And then in 1871, there was a great Chicago fire. It ruined him financially. Um, At that point, he'd been a successful lawyer. He'd invested significantly in property in the Chicago area, and it had been completely damaged by the great fire. Um, His business interests were... uh, completely uh, damaged uh, 
from the downturn in 1873. Um, and so he planned to travel to Europe with his family. And so some things came up in his business life and uh, he had sent his family ahead of him to meet him there so he was going to take care of some business on his end. Um, while crossing the Atlantic, uh, the ship that his uh, wife and daughters were on uh, had collided with another ship. So his four daughters and his wife. And he got the telegram from his wife, saved alone. Saved alone. Shortly afterwards, uh, Spafford traveled to meet his grieving wife in Europe and he was inspired to write the words, it is well with my soul as the ship passed near where his daughters had died. How do you do that? Horatio knew Jesus. He knew uh, that what looked like the greatest disappointment when Jesus was put on a cross and everyone walked away that day and thought, it's done. that there was a resurrection on the other side. There's a risen Jesus. And he's alive. See, that's our joy. That's where our joy comes from. Is knowing that even in death, God can bring life. And today, if you're struggling with your fears and disappointments, my encouragement to you is put it in the hands of Jesus. Let him start to plant some of those disappointments. You know what? I, there might be some tears along the way that are gonna water those disappointments, but there's a God on the other end that can produce a joy everlasting <laughs> that will sprout up in our hearts, in our life. And so place it in his hands. Let's pray. Father, teach us to sing, it is well with my soul. Even when our soul is grieving over the disappointments that we face in life. God, we thought it was gonna be a certain way. We thought things were gonna happen And it didn't. But we know that we can put those disappointments and tears in, in your hands, God, and we, we can see that you're gonna do something with it that's greater than what we see. And so I thank you for those that have gone before us, brothers and sisters in Christ who struggled and strived and fought the good fight. And through their tears, through their disappointments, God, it's given us encouragement today to keep pressing on, to keep going, to keep believing.
Thank you that Jesus is alive, that he meets us right where we're at. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.